It's another, it's another Wednesday evening. It is 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and you are listening to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston. Uh, many of you have uh, been looking at my Facebook page and some of the announcements I made that uh, today we're going to be talking about stain removal, uh, but we won't limit the questions to stain removal. If you have any questions whatsoever concerning stone, tile, uh, even concrete, as well as some of the engineered materials, we can discuss it here. Uh, simply just call in with your questions. I'll give out the number right at the top of the hour here, which is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. And as I have advertised on my Facebook page, uh, callers today will receive a free stain sponge packet uh, I'll describe what that is a little bit later here in the show when we talk about poultices and stain removers and all those chemicals and powders, et cetera. So again, 323-870-3968. If you'd like to send me an email, that would be fhouston, which is F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. I have my email open so I can go ahead and answer your emails as well. And the uh, free stain sponge also applies for an email. Or if you prefer to instant message me via Facebook, just simply go to Facebook, go into the search engine on the top there, and type in Stone Forensics, and that'll take you uh, right to my page. Uh, we also have a Stone Inspectors slash Forensics a group on Facebook and you have to ask to join that. So simply just type in stone inspection. It'll take you right to it. There'll be a little button there somewhere. I'm sure that'll say uh, how to uh, join and I will accept you and uh, you can be on our, our mailing list, our, our email mailing list, or our should, I should say our Facebook mailing list where every Friday we have failure Friday, which is where we uh, every Friday list a particular stone or tile failure. So let's go ahead and, and get right to stain removal. And, you know, as you can imagine, over the past 40 years that I've been in this business, stains are probably the number one issue I see all the time. I get calls from fabricators, consumers, architects, engineers, or what have you that have certain stains. And the first thing I want to talk about before we even get into how to remove them, the chemicals involved, some of the tricks of the trade, so to speak, uh, let me just say this. The number one secret, this is the number one secret for removing a stain on stone, concrete, basically any pore surface is know what the stain is. In other words, if you can identify the stain, you can go to a stain removal chart, figure out what chemical you need, what poultice or what powder you need, and bingo, you can uh, attempt to remove the stain. Now, with that said, we know that all stains aren't removable. Uh, some stains, such as iron staining, some of those stains cannot be removed, especially if it's part of the stone and, of course, the age is also a, a given here. The longer that stain sits there, the deeper it goes into the stone, the more it spreads, and again, voila, bingo, you're going to have issues uh, with removing that stain. Hey, it's worth a college try to, uh, you know, try to go ahead and remove that stain, but uh, if you're dealing with a particular stone where you have no choice, you can't replace that stone, and your only option is to, is to actually remove the stain. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and talk about stains and stain removal, as I mentioned, the number one um, issue is, or number one secret, I should say, is identifying the stain. So how do we go about identifying the stain? Well, there's, there's several things we can do, and there is an unknown stain removal procedure that I will go ahead and give you in a minute here, but let's first put our detective hat on and determine, okay, how do we go about 
identifying the stain? Well, the first thing we want to look at is the age of the stain. Do we know what the age of the stain is? If you're a contractor and you're dealing with customers, ask the customer, do you know what was spilt there? There are clues. The clues could be if it's a red stain near a refrigerator well, chances are you're probably dealing with maybe uh, ketchup, spaghetti sauce, something red. If it's a dark red kind of maroon colored stain, then you might be dealing with wine. Um, so again, ask, ask your customer. How big is the stain? That's another clue. Um, if it's a little tiny drop, is it spills or splatters that occur from one area of the of the room, for example, to another? That kind of gives you an idea. Uh, you know, and a good example of that is many years ago we had some brown stains on a white Carrera floor in the lobby, and no one knew what they were. But we noticed that from the elevator over to a back door, which was the service area where the trash was, there was these little brown stains. And lo and behold, while we were there, we found out that the janitorial company was seeing out the coffee grounds up on the second, third, or whatever floor, and they were dragging the bags. And, of course, the bags were leaking, and they were leaving coffee stains. So that's an indication. Um, the next thing you want to do is, if you've identified this stain, is go to a stain chart. Now, there are many stain charts uh, out there. If you want, you can send me an email, fhouston at gmail.com. I will send you a copy of a free stain chart. And you basically just go to the stain chart and figure out, okay, I've got coffee. What do I use for coffee? You look down the stain chart. It's probably going to say use hydrogen peroxide. And we'll get into that in a second because there are different strengths. Let's talk about it now. There are different strengths of peroxide. Uh, if you go to the grocery store, you go to the CVS, the Walgreens, your, your local grocery store, if you buy the peroxide that you use for cuts, bruises, rinsing your mouth out, whatever, that's too weak of a solution. What you need is a stronger solution of hydrogen peroxide. Where do you get that? You can pick it up at most beauty supply we have one here in Florida called Sally's, which is a chain. Uh, if you go in and ask them for hydrogen peroxide, they might not know what you're talking about. But if you go in and ask them for developer, hair developer, it comes in different volumes, comes in a 10, a 20. I think it even comes up to as much as a 40 volume. You can buy them in a clear liquid or you can buy them in a cream. Uh, I prefer the clear liquid because I can mix that with my poultice powders uh, uh, to mix them up or whatever. So uh, that's the ones I would use. And typically I'd go for the 20 volume peroxide, which is a strong peroxide. It's not too strong. You have to be careful with some of these peroxides because they'll, they'll not only remove the stain, but they could cause some burning of your skin as well. <clears throat> so be careful. And, and the way to do that, obviously, is to start with the, uh, the 20 volume um, materials. All right. So let's talk about poultices, uh, why we use a poultice and basically what is a poultice. But before we can talk about poultices, we need to talk about what is a stain? Now, now that would seem obvious, you know, a stain is a stain, right? Well, yes and no, but you have to think of it a little differently. And this is how I want you to think of it. Imagine a sponge, okay? You take that sponge and it's a dry sponge and it's, it's sitting on a countertop. And now you take some Kool-Aid and you spill some Kool-Aid on that sponge, just, a, you know, a drop or two. And you let that, you let that dry, you know, it might take overnight or whatever. Come back the next day, and you're left with what? You're left with a red stain. What has happened is that the liquid has carried the Kool-Aid, the dye in the Kool-Aid, into the pores of the sponge, and you could 
equate that to stone because stone is a porous material and the water evaporates away. The solvent evaporates away. The only way that you can remove that stain is to somehow reverse the process. So how do we do that? We need something to be able to draw it out. Now, you know, I've had people suggest to me that, you know, place a vacuum cleaner on it and then suck it out. That doesn't work. You need something absorbent, something that's going to soak it back up. That's what a poultice is. A poultice is basically anything that has any kind of porosity to it. It could be a clay powder. Uh, one of my favorites is a compound known as diatomaceous earth. Uh, diatomaceous earth is sold in for swimming pool filters. It's a fine white uh, powder, which is extremely absorbent. You can use talc. Uh, there's a clay out there, which a lot of poultices are made out of. It's called an adipelagate uh, clay. I've used cotexes. I've used paper towels. I've used rags. Uh, anything that has any kind of porosity to it can be considered a poultice. So that's your drawing agent. That's what's going to actually draw the stain out of the stone with the reaction of a chemical to react with the dye that's in the stone or concrete or tile or whatever uh, porous material that we're dealing with at this point. So you go to your stain chart, you pick a chemical. Let's take coffee, for example. Uh, we've identified that it's a coffee stain. Take our peroxide. We mix that straight into our poultice powder, say in this case we use diatomaceous earth, and apply it. And we'll get into how to apply that, that particular uh, poultice in a step-by-step -step fashion here uh, in, a, in a minute. But that's what your poultice is. I don't care what poultice you use, whether it's a, let's say I mentioned a clay, a diatomaceous earth. Uh, there is also a, a newer uh, product out there, which is called a stained sponge, which I happen to be the inventor of. And basically what that is, it's a poultice powder that has a dry chemical in it that's in a pouch or in a, a it looks like a large tea bag, about a four, well, maybe a three inch by six inch tea bag, if you can imagine that, that has your powder already in it along with your chemical. And all you simply do is wet that, place it on the stain, go through the covering, et cetera, that we're going to go through and uh, remove it after 12, 24 hours. So it makes it a lot less messy, if you will. And as I said, anyone that calls in with a question today or emails me a question, uh, will uh, receive a free pack of those stain sponges. Uh, again, let me give the number out here. It's 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. That offer only applies to now, uh, live. If you're listening to this on the archive, it does not apply to it. So you're going to have to buy them, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, if you want to send me an email, I will uh, make that offer for an email during the show now. Uh, my email is fhouston at gmail.com, or you can send me an instant message on my Facebook page, and I'll be glad uh, to take your questions, whether it's a stain question or not, as long as it's something to do with stone, tile, concrete, engineered stone, terrazzo, uh, whatever, uh, I could definitely help you. Or at least if I, you know, I always say if I don't know the answer, I'll find it. So uh, feel free to call in with any, any questions that, that you have there. Okay. So let's continue on with stain removal. So we know what a poultice is. Oh, by the way, another good poultice powder that I've used in a pinch when, you know, you're somewhere, you can't find any powder, you can't go to the stone supplier and order it, is get flour. Uh, just go to the local grocery store and buy bleached flour. You want the, you know, the whitest, purest flour that you can get, and you can mix your chemical in that as well. And I've used flour many times as opposed to diatomaceous or simply because it's cheaper and easier, uh, easier to get. All right, so we had, we identified or, or told you how a poultice works. Let's talk about uh, 
actually applying the poultice itself. And there's some key points here. You just can't mix it up, throw it on there, let it sit, and take it up. There's some key points that you need to be familiar with. All right, with step one, we've already identified. Step one is identify the stain. If you can't, there is a procedure called the unknown stain removal procedure that I have come up with that I'll be more than happy to email you. Just you know, simply send me an email. We're going to uh, have time here to uh, discuss what that is here on air. So you might want to grab a pencil and paper. So that's step one, identify the stain. Step two, clean the stained area. And, you know, a good cleaner, you could take a neutral cleaner with a little bit of water. You could try that. My number one go-to is usually acetone. Uh, I always carry a little can of acetone with me, take a clean white rag, pour the acetone on the rag and wipe the stain. A lot of times you may find that acetone will remove a good portion of that stain material, depending on what the stain material is, of course. Uh, I've had a lot of good luck with paints, uh, magic markers, uh, at least removing the top surface that's sitting on the, on the surface of the stone using, uh, using acetone. And of course, always be sure uh, to wear gloves. Next thing you want to do, or we could call this step three, is check to see if there are any coatings on the stone. And what I mean by a coating is there a wax, is there a urethane on there? And that's very simple. All you really need for that is a razor blade. Just take a razor blade, scrape it, see if there's a coating there. Uh, if there's a coating there, it's going to be really difficult to remove that stain. And sometimes I've had the stain only occur in the coating itself. So by scraping the coating away, um, you'll find that, hey, I've removed the stain. You know, it's done. You're, you're done at that point. Now, step four, and this is extremely important. This is what a lot of people fail to do when they apply a poultice, and that is to pre-wet the area. You want to take some water and just wet that stained area. Now, why do we do that? Why is that so important? Let's go back to our example with the sponge. You take a sponge, a dry sponge, that has a stain in it. And if we apply a poultice to that, a wet poultice, what's the sponge going to do? It's going to soak all the moisture, not only to where the stain is, but all throughout the sponge. The stone or the concrete is very similar. It's going to soak it all the way through. So by pre-wetting that area, what we've essentially done is isolate that stain. So you can imagine this stain sitting on the stone. You've wet the area. You've now filled the pores with water. Now when you apply your poultice, as that water evaporates away and dries, what happens, oh, we might have a caller coming in here. We'll see. Uh, as it evaporates and dry, it will slowly bring that chemical that's in the poultice into the stained area. So pre-wetting is extremely important. So don't forget that step. If you forget any of the other steps, well, you don't want to forget any of the steps, obviously, but especially that one, that's going to be a killer if you don't do it, you're going to end up applying a poultice after poultice after poultice, and you'll never, never get it out. So make sure you pre-wet that area. That was step four. Now, step five is you want to prepare the poultice. And this is where I get people saying, well, mix it to a thick paste. Okay, well, what is a thick paste? I like saying a creamy peanut butter, a, uh, a thick yogurt, if you will. Basically, I always use a little cup and a spoon, a little plastic spoon. And if you can take a that mixture and just put a little bit on your spoon and hold it upside down. It doesn't drip down. That's probably about the right mixture. Don't get too anal about that. If it's too dry, it's, it's not really a problem. If it's too wet, it's just going to take a long, long time for it to dry out. So, uh, you know, about the consistency of a creamy peanut butter is, is really, is really good. That's step five. 
step number six is you want to apply the poultice. And what I like to do is apply. It doesn't have to be real thick. I mean, a lot of people think it needs to be thick. It doesn't need to be that thick. I mean, it could be, it could be as thin as a sixteenth of an inch. Uh, but make sure you overlap the stained area. So let's say you have a stain the size of a quarter. You want to make sure you overlap that. And I overlap it. You know, maybe about an inch, uh, maybe a little bit less than an inch, just making sure you overlap it. Now, that's step number six. Step number seven is to cover the poultice. And what I like using this is just food wrap, saran wrap. Place the food wrap around it. Uh, you can tape it down, but be careful the type of tape you use. You don't want to use duct tape or masking tape. You want to use a low contact, like a painter's tape. And the only reason you tape it down is you don't want the, the plastic falling off. I mean, I've even taken a bucket or a cup and placed it over there and then what you now what the purpose of that which is also very important is that in some climates where it's very dry like uh, Nevada or Arizona the pulses will dry out too rapidly because you want to give it dwell time by covering it you've increased that dwell time but sometimes what happens is you seal it in too well and if it's sealed in too well what happens is it never dries out so what I do is I take the plastic place it over the poultice tape it down and then take a, a pencil or a pen and poke some holes in it. What that does is it slows the drying out, but it also allows it to, to dry out. Uh, and of course that's in dry climates. I mean, in, in areas like where I'm from in Florida or very humid areas, you might be able to get away without uh, covering that, covering that poultice. For, and you may want to cover it just for the sake of uh, preventing people from stepping on it. The dwell time, in other words, how long you let that poultice set, anywhere from 12 to 24 hours, the longer, the better. You just want to make sure that with step eight, remove the plastic cover. Step nine, you want to remove the poultice. If the poultice is, and another important step, if the poultice is still wet, allow it to dry. In other words, remove the plastic, take a look at it. Does it appear wet? You can actually touch it. Uh, is it, is it still wet? If it is, allow it to dry out. Now I have accelerated the dry time by simply just taking a hair dryer and lightly blowing over it and that can, that'll cause it dry. And, and that's also extremely important. And the reason that's important is if you think about it, what are we trying to do? We're trying to soak out this, the stain. In order for us to soak out the stain, that powder or whatever medium you're using as a poultice needs to be dry in order to remove it. So if it's not dry, it might not remove it. It just, you'll just, if it does remove it and it's still wet, you may just have a chemical reaction as opposed to a, an actual drawing of the, uh, of the poultice material. So um, be careful. And then let it sit for 12 to 24 hours. Take a look at it. If it has, if it's totally gone, bingo, you're done. If it's lightened a little bit, then you may need to apply a few more poultices. Uh, I've had some instances where I've taken up to 10 or 15 poultices. But uh, again, if you're getting somewhere with it, if you're seeing some improvement, then go ahead and apply additional poultices. Okay, I am open for your questions. Again, the number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. You can send me an email at fhuston at gmail.com and that's spelled F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. And it looks like I have an email. Uh, email says, I'm having difficulty signing into this show. show. would like my technicians to listen to you. Thanks. And I'll reply back to that email uh, that he can listen to the archives. Anybody can listen to the archives. Just simply go to blog, talk, radio, backslash, 
DR Fred, D R F R E D, and it'll take you to all the shows uh, that I've done. And you can listen to them as many times as you want. You can pause them, and uh, I think you can even download them, put them on a, a drive, and take them in your car so you can listen to me in your car. Uh, so that, that's one of the beauties of internet radio is that not only do we have the ability to listen live, but you also have the ability to go back and listen to previous shows, especially a show like today where we're actually giving you instructions, which can be, you know, extremely important when it comes to uh, how to apply these materials. So one more time before I continue on, the number is 323-870-3968. And uh, the email from Gail in there, yes, uh, it is a good idea to have your um, have your technicians listen to the show, especially this show, if you're dealing with stain removals, because a lot of good handy tips here, especially the ones that I had just given you on, uh, on, on stain removal. Okay. Let's move ahead and discuss a little bit about chemistry. Now, I don't want everybody to run away, turn their radio off, or, or stop the, their listening because I'm not going to get too technical. But there is some cautions I need to make sure you understand. You want to be careful, first of all, what chemicals you mix. You never want to mix chemicals. And let, let me give you some examples. Let's say you buy a stain removal removal remover from uh, one of the suppliers. And it's pre-mixed. In other words, it already has a chemical mixed in it. You don't want to add additional chemicals to that. That is specifically designed uh, to just add water and to apply. Uh, if you want to make your own or add your own chemicals, as I had given you previously, um, peroxide, for example, you want to use a plain poultice. Uh, the stain sponge comes in a plane, and it also comes in a pre-mix. So you might want to ask for that if you're purchasing those. Also, when you purchase your powders, uh, if you're purchasing your powders from a supplier like Braxton, 10X, Regent, whoever, uh, make sure it's a plain material. In other words, it has nothing in there. There are some cautions with some of the powders that you're using. For example, if you're using a clay powder, uh, you'll hear the word adipelagate clay is used. But if it's a natural material, a clay material, if you use an acidic chemical, in other words, you go to your stain chart and it says to use a vinegar, for example, which is an acid, uh, a lot of times you, there's iron in those clays and you can actually end up taking the stain out and actually getting a iron stain. So you want to be careful there. So the process of stain removers can also actually cause the stain so you got to be you got to be real careful there as to what what materials you're using for your for your chemicals or i should say you know mixing uh, with your chemicals you know things like bathroom cleaners are phosphoric acid some rust removers contain hydrofluoric acid sulfamic acid which a lot of installers use for cleaning grout those are in grout cleaners uh vinegar as i mentioned is is an, is an acetic acetic acid so if you don't if you're not familiar with pH, uh, I don't think I'm going to have time to actually go into it on this show, but uh, go ahead and send me an email. I'd be more than happy to send you my dissertation on what pH is and how to determine. Well, I'll tell you how to determine what the pH is of a chemical you're using, and that is you need a safety data sheet. Simply go get safety data sheet, look under the physical properties on the safety data sheet, and you will see pH. If it has a, P, if it, has a pH, it tells you a couple different things. The first thing it tells you is that the chemical is water-based. Um, if it has no pH, if no pH is listed or, list, list, uh, listed or it says Na under pH, it simply means it's a solvent. So you're dealing with an alcohol, an acetone, a, a paint thinner, something of that nature, which is waterless. So there's a good 
good good little tip right there. If it has a pH, it's water-based. If it doesn't have a pH, uh, it's not water-based. It's solvent-based, and that applies not only for your uh, your stain removal chemicals, but also for your sealers. You can tell whether a sealer is water-based or a sealer is solvent-based simply by looking at the safety data sheet to determine if it's a if it has a pH or not. And again, if it has a pH, it's if not. So what are the, some of the non-solvent type materials of your mineral spirits, acetone, alcohol, uh, delimonene, xylene, trichloroethane, methylene chloride, toluene, MEK, which is known as methyl ethyl ketone. These are all things you can buy at your paint store, your big box store, whatever. Benzene is, is another one. Some of the water-based chemicals would be obviously your acids, vinegar, ammonia, peroxide is water-based, bleach is water-based, your soaps, your surfactants, trisodium phosphate, which a lot of painters use for cleaning the walls prior to painting a wall papering, that is a water-based material, as well as sodium hydroxide, which is a lye, which you'll see that also mentioned on, on, your, on your stain chart. So that's just a quick rundown of some of your um, some of your. Um, stains here. Now, I get questions all the time as to um, if, if the stone was sealed and there was a stain there. And that's kind of tricky because, first of all, if it was sealed properly, it shouldn't have stained, right? You would think. But sealers aren't, you know, when I'm talking sealers, I'm talking about impregnators, are not bulletproof. I mean, they, they can stain. Uh, a good example of that is, you know, any good, you know, fluoro-based impregnator won't repel hot oil, very hot oil. So hot cooking oil will go through there. Well, if you choose the right chemical, it should also, for that stain, it should also break down that sealer as well. Uh, it may take a couple of, a couple of applications, but I uh, keep going. Uh, as I mentioned before, I do have a, a quick stain identification chart. I'm going to get into here in a minute the types of stains that there are and some of the quick chemicals you can use uh, for, for, stain, for stain removal. And let's go ahead and discuss them now. There are basically three types of stains that we deal with. Now, there's exceptions to every single one of these rules, but generally we're dealing with three distinct types of stain. Those are organic stains, inorganic stains, and biological stains. So let's go back and take a quick look at not only at each one of these in general, <clears throat> but excuse me, but what the chemical would be to remove each and every one of these. Let's first take a look at our organic stains. The word organic means from a living thing or once a living thing. So that would simply be anything that's organic. Foods, for example, are considered organic stain. Uh, wines are considered organic stains. Um, ketchup, basically any food, grass, uh, any living plant that leaves a stain, that's basically an organic stain. For that particular stain, we're going to use peroxide. And we're going to use the peroxide that you buy at the beauty supply, the higher strength, the 20 volume peroxide, not the grocery store uh, peroxide. So that's organic organic stains. Uh, I just got another email in from Greg in Hawaii. Thanks for listening, Greg. Uh, can you review how countertop manufacturers are darkening or impregnating their slabs to enhance the slab colors and poulticing 
and how poulticing treatments may affect the stem removal process. Excellent question, Greg. Excellent question. Let me let me digress a little bit here because that's an issue. Uh, we actually, I think, discussed that in one of the previous shows, so you might want to go back and take a look at the actual dyeing process if you don't know what I'm talking about. But you can actually have a stain that occurs on a dyed stain, stone, not stain, a dyed stone, and then you go ahead and remove that stain with a poultice of some kind, and you not only remove the stain, but now you remove the dye. So there are ways to check the stone for dyes. And I'll go over it real quick here. Uh, you can basically, you'll need MEK, ketone, and acetone. You want to take clean white rag, pour the acetone on the clean white rag, wipe the area, and see if you get color transfer. If you get a darkening on that rag, then you have a dyed stone. Sometimes acetone won't affect certain dyes, so for that reason, you need to use the MEK. So what you want to do is take another clean white rag, pour some MEK on it, and then go ahead and wipe it again and see if you get color transfer. Between those two chemicals, you can probably get a good idea if that stone is dyed or not. So if you end up in that case where you have a stain or sometimes what you're dealing with is what you think is a stain is really not a stain, but a, a lighter area where someone has actually removed the dye either by daily cleaning, someone spilled a drink on it or whatever. And that can be, that could be an issue. So I would, yes, if you suspect the stone is dyed, which as we discussed on previous shows, many of them are dyed, um, make sure to take a really good look at it and try that particular, uh, particular, particular tech technique. Uh, so thanks for that, Greg. And uh, if you have any further uh, um, follow-up on that, just feel free to go ahead and uh, send me another email as well. Okay, so what were we talking about? Back to uh, the types of stains. We discussed organic stains. What about inorganic stains? Inorganic stains are not living stains. So this would basically be your metals, your rust, your copper, aluminum, aluminum can stain as well. Um, for those type of stains, there are several chemicals, depending on what it is. Uh, you know, real quickly for copper and bronze, I tend to find ammonia works really well. Uh, but for iron, my go-to chemical for iron is a compound known as iron out. Uh, iron out is sold in any of the uh, big box stores and the water softening section. It's a powder that's used in water softeners to take the iron out. It works really well mixed in a poultice uh, with uh, the iron out, usually about a 20% by volume uh, to your poultice powder. Mix that up, wet it down with some water, and mix it, of course, as we had described previously, and apply that. And I've been pretty successful at removing iron if the iron is removable. Uh, of course, there are certain some situations uh, where iron will not come out, so uh, be careful there. All right, so that leaves us to our last stain, and that is our biological stains. Our biological stains are actively living stains. What are those? Mold, mildew, fungus, lichens, anything like that are living uh, organisms. Usually bleach will take care of them. Uh, sometimes you have to use a really strong bleach mixture. Uh, there is a product out there, I believe it's called Jomax, J-O-M-A-X, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that particular uh, product is used to actually make the bleach stronger. I've uh, been very successful with peroxide. Uh, peroxide, as you know, I had mentioned before, the higher dose of peroxide uh, will kill a lot of uh, biological stains. So to sum it up, 
you have organic stains, use peroxide. You have inorganic stains, if it's rust, you're going to use iron out or ammonia or whatever the stain chart calls for. And if it's a biological stain, you can use bleach and hydrogen peroxide. And of course, those are just some of the generic recommended materials. So you want to make sure you go to that stain chart and, you know, actually look at that stain chart. Now, I did promise you, let's see if I can find the actual procedure here of uh, how we remove an unknown stain. So let's say, for example, you go on a job site or you actually have the job site and uh, you have to remove a stain and it's unknown. Well, there's several things you can do. And give me a second here and I'll pull up my unknown stain chart removal. We can go through this step by step. Well, I can't find it, but let me tell you how to, what I would do. The best thing to do is to go ahead and do what I call a dot test. In other words, we just mentioned those three products. Let's take peroxide. You can take bleach. And I would use a solvent. And what a solvent is good for is oil-based stains. So our oil-based stains can be organic and they can be inorganic depending on uh, the type of oil that it is. And what you want to do is make, make little tiny poultices about the size of a, oh, you know, maybe a quarter of the size of a, of a dime and just place those dots on the stained area. Do everything you normally do for a poultice. Go back and check it after 12 to 24 hours. And if it in, is in fact um, removed under one of those, bingo, guess what? You got your way. You're going to remove that particular stain. So uh, that's what I would do. All right. One more time, 323-870-3968 is the telephone number to call in. Again, 323-870-3968. I'm glad to take your calls not only for stains, but uh, anything to do with stone and tile. If you'd like to send me an email like the two gentlemen just did here, uh, just go ahead and send me an email at fhuston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Or go ahead and uh, send me an instant message on Facebook. I have all three open. I got my Gmail open right here. I got my Facebook page open. So uh, uh, feel free to chime in whatever you want. We got about another 10 minutes in the show. Aha, uh -huh, and I see we have a caller. Let me get them on the air. All right, caller, are you there from the 352 area code? Yeah, hi, Dr. Fred. Hey, this is Scott Wilson up in north central Florida. Hey, Scott. Yeah, I wanted to ask you uh, one of the most difficult stains that I run into is PVC primer. And ah. I can get them out and can do it with a solvent, but it generally takes multiple upon multiple applications to get them to come out, especially out of a light or a white stone. Any suggestions or any tricks to make that happen faster? Yes, uh, absolutely. And you're talking about the PVC primer that's kind of pinkish, purplish? The purple PVC primer, yes, yep, sir. Yep, 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 very familiar. You with it, use lots of it. Um, there is a product out there that is designed not for that particularly, but it works real good on that. And I don't know if you've heard of the product called uh, uh, TE Blossom by 10X. It's no, designed, sir. Okay. It's, it's designed for the green. And actually, I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me to talk about this stain as well. Um, it's a product designed specifically for CA glue staining. It's a, with CA glue, in other words, CA glue is super glue staining. You get for that. Sure. You sometimes get that green, bluish bloom that occurs which is very yes, difficult to, to get out. This particular yes, product sir. will re remove that, but it also works really well for those type of stains like the PVC primer. 
So I would contact uh, 10X. It should it, it'll work a lot quicker than your solvents will. I'm assuming you probably got to put a couple of poultices on there in order to remove it. Oh, sometimes yeah. as many as five or six to draw all the shadowing yep. out. Yes, sir. Yep, yep. So I would try that product, and that should probably take it out in the first application. Hey, I appreciate you. Appreciate what you're doing here too. No, thank you, Scott. Have a good one, buddy. Uh, you too. All right. So yeah, I'm glad Scott brought that up because that that's you know one of the one of the stains that I get a lot of calls on is the what we call the green bloom or bluish bloom, and let me just tell you where that comes from. Um, a lot of fabricators will use super glue, what we call CA glue, and unlike the CA glue that we buy at the you know the the, the hardware store, the Home Depot or whatever, uh, this usually, usually comes with an accelerator. It comes in either a pump spray or an aerosol can, and you spray it on there, what it does is it causes it to set up almost immediately. The problem is, either immediately or a week later or a couple of months later, on certain granites, and this occurs especially with the light-colored granites, you end up getting this bloom that occurs, and it's a greenish bloom. The problem with that, it's very, very difficult to get out. So there are two products out there. Actually, they're identical products. One is uh, TE, uh, TE Blossom uh, by 10X, and the other is from Braxton Bragg, which is called Blue Be Gone. Those work really well for those green blooms. So if you have any of those green blooms that are occurring, uh, go ahead and use that product. And as Scott had mentioned, PVC Primer, uh, that, that purplish reddish type primer that uh, plumbers and irrigation people use to uh, actually prime the, the PVC pipe before they put the glue on can leave a nasty stain. That should work really well on that as well. So uh, uh, thanks for that, Scott. That was, that was a, a really good question. I'm glad you brought it up because I almost forgot. I wanted to actually uh, talk about that as well. All right. Uh, I've got a few more minutes here. We've got about 10 minutes left in the show. So let me give out the telephone number one more time, 323-870-3968, or as two other people have done, uh, an email to fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. Yeah, stain removal uh, can be can be tricky. And, you know, people ask me, is there a science to it? Well, obviously, there is a science to it. However, you know, if I had to put a percentage on it, you know, it, you got about a 50-50 chance. And you can increase those chances by, guess what, what I had mentioned at the top of the show, by going ahead and identifying that, that stain. If you identify it, you know what it is. And, you know, it applies to clothing. You know, people in the laundry business, you know, they want to know what the stain is. People in the carpet cleaning business, you can, I mean, that goes way, way back before, we started getting real popular with stone restoration. Carpet cleaners were, you know, having stain removal seminars. And one of their things were, if you don't choose the right chemical, you can actually set the stain into the carpet fibers. Same thing occurs here with, with stone or concrete. If you use the wrong stain, you can either create a terrible stain, a stain that's worse, or you can set the stain and actually make it permanent. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that's a good... Um, Speaking of which, and I should probably mention this when it comes to uh, um, uh, stain removal. I mean, I could talk for hours and hours uh, on on stain removal. Is that you know, don't if, if you're listening to this as a as a restoration contractor, a fabricator, it's really difficult to guarantee you can remove that stain. So don't make any promises. What I used to do as a restoration contractor is I would charge an upfront fee, come in identify the stain, evaluate the stain might be a better word, uh, 
apply the poultice, show them how to do it, and then leave them with the material uh, for it. Otherwise, you make. I had one case. It was a, actually, it's an interesting story. I had a lady that had a white Thassos marble floor that had these numbers coming up. And to make a long story short, what had happened is that she had marked the back of the tiles with a magic marker. And after the installer installed them, about six months later, the numbers started bleeding through. The, the actual magic marker ink started bleeding through uh, the stone. And it took me about 15 trips. This is way back in my early days, but about 15 trips to that lady's house. And, you know, it was only there for a few minutes because there was only a few of them. Uh, but thank goodness it was on my way to my office. But if it was an hour outside, I would have lost my money because I can't remember now what I charged her for that. But uh, that can be that can be a real, real issue. So uh, the green bloom we mentioned, the uh, PVC, we got a call in on that. PVC primer is an issue. Uh, probably one of the hardest stains to uh, remove is going to be iron stains. And this occurs a lot on white Carrara or any of the white colored marbles. So these white colored marbles, to look at them, you wouldn't know it. If you go to a quarry, you'll know it because you'll see a lot of these materials have iron staining. That's because the material contains natural elemental iron. If you give iron the proper conditions for rusting, in other words, it needs oxygen and it needs moisture. You give them those conditions, especially prolonged moisture, such as a flood, a uh, hurricane, which we're getting a lot of here in Florida, a lot of calls anyway for the hurricane that occurred last year. Uh, a lot of these materials are so badly damaged. The, the iron in them is rusted so bad that... It, it will just, it was not going to come out no matter what you do. You might as well just take a jackhammer to it. And a lot of times that's my recommendation. Go ahead and replace the floor. You're not going to be able to remove it. If it's light, if it's from a chair or something that's spilt on it that contained iron, you have a better chance of removing that iron. Now, for those of you that called in, for those of you that sent an email, I promised you a free stain sponge kit. Uh, if you would be so kind as to send me an email with your address and I'll get those out to you. Uh, again, the stain sponge can be purchased through Braxton Bragg or uh, 10X also has, has what they call a poultice pouch, uh, which is basically the same thing, and they work really well, a lot lot easier. All right, we're about to wrap up this show uh, for this week, which is April 4th. Uh, this show will be archived here in a few minutes uh, after the show's over. If you do have any questions, especially for uh, next week, uh, go ahead and send me an email, fhouston at gmail.com, and we'll get to those emails uh, next week. In the meantime, this is Fred Houston the Stone and Tile Show. We'll see everybody next week. Have a great weekend.